0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blayton Homer Podcast here. Uh, we're recording this on May 2nd, 2019, and my guest today is a good friend of ours, Josh McQuishin of Soonerscoop.com. He covers a lot of the recruiting uh, information over there, and, uh, you know, he also tosses in some stuff occasionally about, like, say, I don't know, the Indianapolis Colts or Game of Thrones, what have you. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Josh, how you doing, man?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, you know, uh, you mentioned the cults, Game of Thrones, I mean, in those two worlds, it's, it's pretty good living right now, so I'm, I'm pretty happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, what did you think of, uh, the, uh, Battle of Winterfell, I guess is what they've called it, right? Uh,
1: when all you can find to complain about is that it was too dark, that's, it's gotta be pretty good, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it, for every, the, all the expectations everyone had going into that, and for it to be as good as it was, and, uh, I mean... There was foreshadowing, but at the same time, like you, you could easily see that have been a tr- being a trick from you know because they've loved to do that stuff all along. You know, like make you think, oh, this is what's going to happen. Like most of the free world thought it was going to be Jon Snow. So I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it was great. I I, I thought it was a, a great episode to watch, and I I usually watch it the next morning, but that one I was so excited, I put my kids down and was like, I'm I'm not doing anything else on Sunday night. I'm watching this.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It was fun, you know. I mean, at this point too, you know, I think that uh, you're kind of getting this divergence between people who watch, who, uh, pardon me, who read all the books and are now watching, it, and now they're kind of, you know, uh, maybe taking the showrunners to task, you know, for not doing what they think that uh, George R.R. Martin would have done or what have you. But no, I think it's been pretty fun so far.
1: Yeah, and I read all the books. I mean, I, I'm that I'm in that group. But I mean, you just have to accept like he didn't write the books. They had to finish the storyline. So, or, you know, at least come to some sort of logical conclusion and they, uh, they've they got no choice but to make their own decisions. Now, I still am one of those people that believe that, I, I don't know that he's had input, but I believe from the start there were conversations about, okay, where, where do you kind of see this going? So like I, the books will be different, but I think anybody expecting just this almost alternate reality or just kidding themselves.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, well, let's move on to another big thing that just uh, wrapped up was the NFL draft. Um, you know, eight Sooners taken. Uh, you know, obviously uh, the big story coming out of it was uh, Kyler Murray going number one to the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't think it was a huge surprise after, you know, kind of the buildup of the last few months. Um, so let me ask, if we're taking long-term NFL career – who do you, Who are you taking to start your team? Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield?
1: You know, we talked about that a little bit on our pod yesterday, and I, I'm even with Baker Mayfield having a you know he may not have won it, but a rookie of the year caliber mm-hmm. season. I'm not sure. I don't take Kyler. I just with. I guess my biggest argument is going to be what can they put around Kyler in Cleveland? Baker set. I mean, they're they're going to be in really good shape. They get that offensive line with a few pieces to come together, find a few more guys uh, through that. I think probably on that front seven of their defense. And, I mean, that's a a team that in two or three years is competing for a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, and I know some people think it may be this year. I mean, I think that's a little early. I think you need some time for these things to develop. But I I can see that. But Kyler, I – I've said it before, I think the the short thing is so, it's become so overplayed, and for a long time I was a guy that doubted on that, but as you watch the game that's about spacing and they want to do all these things that put guys almost on islands, how important is it that he's 6'2"? I, I don't really understand that, and it certainly hasn't hindered any number of quarterbacks over the last few, few years, including Baker Mayfield, so... I, like I said, I think there's a chance that Kyler Murray is a better player. My question for him, and it's the same with Baker, really, is just durability. I mean, because yeah. it's not that the size matters to me, but the reality is he's five foot ten. He's just a little bit smaller than the average quarterback, and those shots, if he takes too many of them, are just gonna they're gonna compound faster than they would on a bigger guy. I mean, that's that's just physics. That That's not anything that can be argued or denied. But at the same time, with his feet and the... He has such a great pocket feel that... I mean, I think I, w- I was listening to something where the other day where Mike Gundy was talking about coming into the Oklahoma State game. He'd been tackled like seven times. <laughs> tackled. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just... That's crazy. So, like I said, I I think there, there's going to be some growing pains for him. But this concept that he was going to slip way down if Arizona didn't take him if it's true i don't understand it
0: yeah no i'm uh, and i and i never really bought that my guess is that somebody like Gruden would have snapped him up pretty quickly so um but you know you know you're looking at this from a recruiting perspective you know i mean seven offensive players taken one specialist uh but you know if you're a guy like Dennis Simmons or Kale Gundy or Jay Boer, I mean you know, Bill Beanbo, you got to be walking into uh, recruits' houses right now just, you know, I mean, uh, ready to set the world on fire, right?
1: Oh, I mean, at this point, Oklahoma offensively, they can walk into any house in the country, and they've got a, a chance. Now, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of times you're going to go to Florida or Louisiana or Texas or whatever, and you may be fighting an uphill battle with a kid that has, you know, he loves this school or that school or whatever – but in general, um, you're talking about guys that it's, – it's just the polar opposite. And I'm sure we'll get into the defensive side of this conversation. But on the offensive side of the ball, what, what does OU need to sell? Heisman Trophy winners? Got them. First-round draft picks? Got them. You know, like you just go down the list um, producing NFL offensive linemen just one after another. Done it. You know what I mean? There's really nothing where you can say, yeah, you know, Oklahoma's got a lot to sell, but in that one area they've really str- – you know, that that they've mm-hmm. got to clean that up. Anything you would want to pitch to a kid, Oklahoma can sell it.
0: Yeah. Um, so looking at uh, guys that have already got locked up for this year, you know, I mean you've got a fullback here, you know, a couple of wide receivers, a running back. Uh, you know, the big domino every year it seems like in uh, recruiting for any, really any college football team, though, is quarterback. You know, that's who they rely on to – come in and and you know kind of be the centerpiece the guy who they you know build a class around a lot of times a lot of times they'll be doing a lot of recruiting for the coaches uh who's it going to be for OU
1: it's the it's the million dollar question and I don't know that I know the answer usually I feel you know even if I'm saying to myself I don't see Oklahoma getting this guy I know where their focus is right now in 2021 I've got a pretty good feel for where Oklahoma is at quarterback, what they want to do, who their guy, they're kind of zeroed in on. But 2020 is just a very interesting situation. And I can't decide if Oklahoma is going to say, okay, if we can't find the right guy, we might look back into the transfer market. Because, I mean, just last year you saw young quarterbacks like Justin Fields, Tate Martell, all these guys that we know had talent and at one time were very high-level recruits go back into it. That's probably going to become a trend. And I, and I would pretty much agree with that sentiment, but it's hard to count on something like that. Mm-hmm. Or they're being tremendously patient with someone, and that someone almost has to be Bryce Young, uh, one of the real quarterbacks they really pursued to the end, uh, that picked USC. USC feels like a program on the brink. I mean, if they don't win 10 games this year, I think I think Helton's in real trouble there. And I don't really foresee them winning 10 games under Helton without, you know, a Mm -hmm. a top five quarterback. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, just because Oklahoma, you're not hearing about Lincoln Riley went by and stopped and looked at this quarterback. They're not. They didn't stop by and look at that guy. Really, the only actionable offer they have at the position right now is Chandler Morris. And while people would say, "Well, that's got to be the guy," they're zeroed in on Chandler Morris is the son of, yeah. of Chad Morris, the head coach at Arkansas. That's, I mean, that's pretty ballsy to believe you, you can make that kind of jump and you can recruit that guy over his own father. Now, maybe they know something I don't. I mean, you know, th- th- there's a lot of what ifs that I would have said. That's ridiculous. But as time goes on and that's your only offer, it starts to make you wonder, like, is there something here that we don't know about?
0: Yeah. Um, looking at that, too, though, I mean, you mentioned the transfers. Obviously, OU's had, you know, a lot of success with Baker Mayfield and uh, Kyler Murray going that route. It, does, that, does that hurt them at all in recruiting? Do, do Is that a sell that, you know, posing uh, – coaches can make that they're just going to recruit over you if, and not develop you, that type of thing, or go, go outside and get somebody from a different program?
1: I have no doubt that schools would use that. But, I mean, if you look at Spencer Radler, it certainly did never seem to bother him, you know, and he watched that going on. So, I mean, I, I think it's so hard. I mean, I, I don't doubt that schools, you know, would, would shoot their shot and try to use that as a something against them. But, I mean, Lincoln Riley's just going to say, hey, if you're the best quarterback – you're going to get the job. We're not going to worry about politics or you know, doing the right thing and playing the senior because he's been here the whole time. It's, it's whoever wins the competition. That's going to be our guy. And I think that, that resonates with high school kids because even, even if we can all see that you know, it's going to be pretty hard for a freshman to be as good as a third-year guy mm-hmm. on campus that's highly talented – they're a high school quarterback that's never, never really known failure. They, they think they can do these things. They think, oh well, I'll just go in, work hard, and that job will be mine. Like, it's, it's really tough to convince a kid who lives on confidence that, ah, you know, I, I don't know if you've got the goods. Like, they're, they're just not going to buy that very easily. So, like I said, I think it's something coaches would use. I would be pretty hard. It, that's a dangerous button because you're telling the kid he's not good enough or. And if you go down that road, it, it's kind of like, well, if, if I'm not good enough to win the job there, they're just going to go over me. Why would you want me? It's it's a yeah. slippery slope that you get into when you get into that kind of recruiting.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, and that's a that's a very good point. Um, and then I guess another question would be, are kids scared off by having Rattler in the fold? I mean, you know, talking about a five-star guy who uh, has, you know, really all the tools to be a really good quarterback in the OU system.
1: I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, you look at Oklahoma's had two straight Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback, two straight number one overall picks. I mean, this this job, like, OU should basically throw an offer out, and then the kid just, you know, accepts it the day he receives it. Like, it, it feels like it should be that obvious and that clear, but, you know, obviously that's a little bit of hyperbole, but that's just that's where Oklahoma is right now in quarterback recruiting they should really have their pick of the litter and the fact that they've kind of had to work through 2020 makes you think like there's some people out there that are like man you know I've been at camps with Spencer Radler I saw him in the Army All-American game and even though his team struggled he made some throws that were just unbelievable uh he he's like I, I've compared him to Mayfield. He just kind of has that thing when he's on the field and you're like, that dude can just make anything happen. Like you're never out of it. You're never like, he's just one of those guys that's going to will something to happen. And I, I, I think other guys see that too. They can recognize that that's going to be a problem to beat him out. And if I, you know, you could go there or you go to, you know, for the example we're talking about, you go to USC or Arkansas there's nothing like Spencer Rattler standing in front of you. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, um, you know, I think another kinda maybe interesting development at this point in recruiting is that, you know, he doesn't really have any uh big offensive linemen uh nailed down here. Um, you, know, you would think, especially after just seeing four guys go in the, in the uh, draft, that that, would, uh, that wouldn't be an issue. And Bill both certainly done a, uh, a pretty good job recruiting there. But you know, when, when are those guys going to start uh, hopping on board? Well,
1: OU's bringing in three offensive linemen this weekend for official visits. So that's a, that's a good starting point. I think especially with a guy like Jonah Monheim, And Noah Nelson, a couple of West Coast guys that are coming in. Actually, all three are West Coast guys. Uh, Monheim's from uh, Moorpark in California. And Noah Nelson is an Arizona kid. So uh, I think in those two cases, if something happened this weekend, it wouldn't stun me. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to predict that. But from what I've gathered, I mean, Oklahoma's in very good shape with both of those guys. Uh, They're, you know, whether it's top two, top three whatever you kind of want to list it as Oklahoma's right there with anybody. So, uh, and both are making their second trips, which is, you you know, first trips for guys far away from home. Usually you don't see a commitment, but that second trip, I mean, you look at Dante Manning, uh, you go down the list, there's some track record of that kind of thing happening. So we'll see, but I, 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 think, you know, people, what basically happened is Oklahoma lost two guys that I think, you know, Oklahoma was their second choice. Turner Corcoran, and Aki Okunbiyi, uh who went to Georgia, and Corcoran went to Nebraska. Those are tough losses. I mean, Oklahoma was right there. I think at different points they led for both. And they just they came up a little short at the finish line. And that, that happens sometimes, and I get that it's tough. But, I mean, I think Oklahoma clearly leads for Andrew Rain. I think Oklahoma's in great shape with the two guys I just mentioned. Uh, you know, you, you can uh, Jeff Percy from California is a raw but really promising tackle. Um, that, you know, you think of him in a couple of years with Benny Wiley, putting some weight on a very lean frame and then working with Bill Bedenboe every day in practice. I, th- that's a guy that could be a really, really talented, uh, uh difference making tackle someday. So I, to me, I, with Bill Bedenboe, I mean, you just look, you know, that's what I trying to explain to people. All four guys drafted in the top four rounds. That's great none of those guys were even rivals to 50 pro- or they weren't consensus 250 prospects in the country. And that includes Orlando Brown from the year before. So if you want to go with the last five, Creed Humphrey was a three star in rivals. I mean, the, he's turning guys that not everybody just assumed were future NFL guys. I mean, that's the thing people get lost in. Oh, you go to Alabama and you're going to be a first round pick, dude, you're a, you know, you're the, the prototype of what people are looking for you could go to East popcorn state and yeah. you're probably going to be a first round draft pick. Like, and that's not to take away from Alabama. They they're great coaches. They do a great job, but you know, if you're the cream of the crop, you should be going in the first round. That, that's what should be happening. Oklahoma's taking guys that are very talented, but are not everybody's all American and making them high level draft choices.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, you mentioned Alabama. Let's flip over to the other side of the ball <laughs> real quick here, because uh, Oklahoma just lost one of its uh, longtime commitments to the Crimson Tide, uh, Drew Sanders. Uh, I believe he's a you know kind of seen as, as an athlete type guy. You know, uh, he's going to uh, decide. I guess he wanted to play linebacker, and so he's going to be uh, hanging to Tuscaloosa instead of instead of Norman. Uh, how big of a blow is this for you? Well,
1: first off, Alan, was I just being too positive? I was just telling everybody out there this is going to be fine, relax, breathe. Yeah. And then you, you wanted to go to Drew Sanders in the defense, and now <laughs> I've got to get all real, man. Yeah. But uh, no, with, um, with Drew, yeah. I mean, this, isn't, this is one of those things that, like I, I've talked about it through the week, this is a deal that is painful for Oklahoma, sure, from a talent perspective and sure, from a positional situation. It really hurts from perception that that that's where this stings Oklahoma, because they have to deal with the whole aspect of, well, if you want to be a you know, great defensive player, you don't go to Oklahoma. You don't go play in the Big 12, you know, whatever, whatever narrative that we've all talked about a million times. That all comes, you know, to light here and seems to give it credence. I don't think that's really fair, but that's what it is. You know, I mean, let's not pretend it's anything else. Drew Sanders. When he was recruited early on, he wanted to play offense. Oklahoma said, we'd love to have you at tight end. We think it would be a perfect fit. We've got, you know, Mark Andrews here starring. We feel like you're our next guy. You know, come jump on board. Great. He's in. Well, fast forward a few years, and he starts playing more and more defense, uh, especially last year as a junior for Denton Ryan. And everybody's like, this dude's six foot four and a half, 230. He's cut out of wood. And he can run, you know, as well as most receivers in high school. What? Why? Why are we playing him at tight? You know, why is yeah. tight end the future? At least, you know, why is it just that's assumed? And I think it. I think people finally convinced him. Hey, look on the defensive side of the ball. Think about this. And you know, I, I think he made the right choice. I think he's a future star on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I, I get it completely. And as I've said all week, and I know obviously a lot of OU fans listen to your pod. As an OU, if you're a a high-level offensive recruit in in high school, I get it, man. I'd go play for Lincoln yeah. Riley too. That makes a ton of sense. As a high-level defensive recruit, I'm gonna go play for Nick Saban. Yeah. like that. Yeah. That's it's really hard, you know. And again, I preface it with what I said earlier about yeah. They're turning out NFL guys because they're getting a bunch of NFL bodies into their program. So there's a give and take to that. But you also can't deny that if you're a good player, go to Alabama and start for two or three years, (laughs) on that defense, odds are you're going to be a top three-round pick at least. So, like I said, I I, I get it. And I talked to Drew a little bit, and he just kind of said, you know, I just felt like this was the right decision for me. It wasn't personal against Oklahoma. It wasn't anything he disliked about Oklahoma, but – He, you know, he's, he wants to do what's best for his future. And he thinks playing linebacker at Alabama makes more sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, and who can fault him for that? Um, So I guess though, how does, how does OU overcome that? I mean, how do they, is it just a matter of you've got to actually go out and, and do it on the field or is there something that they can sell kids on? I mean, how, how do you change that?
1: Well, you know, and I, and I had someone ask me, it's a really good question, Um, basically, why do we see all these other schools that can take over, you know, Tom Herman shows up at Texas and they've been terrible for a decade and he can go sell everybody on, well, this is going to be different. We're going to change everything. Everybody assumes that every high school kid in the country knows that, oh yeah, Oklahoma went and hired Alex Grinch. It's totally different and everything's, you know, and knows Mm -hmm. what scheme Alex Grinch is going to run and knows all about his time at Washington state. And that he was at Ohio State last year and worked with Urban Mine. Mo- you know, because you're OU fans, you know all these things. You you know, you read Allen. You, you subscribe to sites like mine. You know, you do all these things so you can be very informed on in Oklahoma football. The average high school prospect from Louisiana doesn't know any of those things mm-hmm. until OU tells them. But even when you tell them, it's not the same as seeing it on, you know, seeing it with your own eyes and everything they know about OU football is they're terrible on defense. They're just awful. And so I think Oklahoma has to get it through these guys head that it's a new day on defense, but there's no better way on earth to reach a high school kid than showing them. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's Oklahoma's going to have to do that to some degree. Now they've got guys like Dante Manning and Ryan Watts to buy in. And that's, that's great. That, that makes all the sense in the world. Roy Manning is, showing himself very quickly to be a very, very capable recruiter for Oklahoma. So, like I said, there's all this stuff to like, but I I think people assume these kids know things that they don't know and don't understand, and so it's just it's going to have to be a patient thing. And as far as what you do, I mean, obviously, you don't just wave the white flag and say, oh, we'll never get any big-time recruits. Let's just go get, you know. No, I I get it. You're going to go chase Keely Ringo. You're going to go do all these things. But you need to make sure that the next group of guys like Dante Manning and and Ryan Watts are both great examples. Guys that are three stars right now on Rivals, they'll move up uh, before anybody gets into a panic. That'll happen in time. They're both very talented guys and have good tape. They just weren't well known when OU offered them. And now that people are seeing that film and seeing how good they are, they're starting to move forward and... You're gonna see more of that. I mean, when I watch what Oklahoma's doing when they make a new offer, I'm like, that guy's good. That guy's good. That the, I see nothing but good players. And that's what Oklahoma has to do. They've got to do just what I was talking about with Bill Biedenbow on the offensive line. You don't get to walk in and be like, and we're getting five stars. It doesn't work like that. You've got to show some track record of look what we're doing with these guys. You know, we made you know, four years from now, we made Dante Manning into a second-round pick. We made Ryan Watts into a, you know, whatever it's going to be. You know, we we took those guys that, you know, Alabama didn't offer, Clemson didn't offer, and we turned them into this. Imagine what we could do with you. You're the number one corner in the country that everybody and their mother wants. We want you to come here, and you can go be that guy for us. You don't have to be the next Patrick Peterson. You don't have to be the next Minka Fitzpatrick. You can come here and be the first guy and really change the whole story about Oklahoma's defense.
0: Yeah, now looking at some of the guys that uh, use, Well, uh, just lo- let's just look at the two guys that are uh, committed right now. I mean, they're both... Uh, I believe they're both projected as cornerbacks now.
1: With Watts, it's a little more up in the air. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 6'3", right? Yeah, he's 6'3", 180, and I'm told by more than one person he has almost 80-inch arms. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're talking about a a damn pterodactyl back there. Yeah. That's a huge human being with real range. And I, like I said, he's a good problem. Say you start him at corner and, you know, it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out. No big deal. No problem. We can slide that big frame right over to safety and we're going to be just fine. Like, it's, yeah. he is a good problem to have because he can work at multiple spots.
0: But, you know, what I keep hearing about the guys that uh, Alex Grinch wants on this defense are big guys who are fast. Uh, doesn't everybody want that like you know what i mean I, I i guess you know is that something that I guess you know is something they're gonna be looking for a little maybe lower down the food chain in terms of prospects or uh you know I mean how does that how does that work are there just gonna be from here on out kind of physical um you know kind of metrics or standards that they're gonna just apply to everybody
1: i i to me, that's my guess is you're gonna see. I don't know in this first year how possible it's going to be because they're I mean, and even over time. Like you, you, you have to accept the realities of life. Yeah. We love this six foot three, 230 pound guy, but we didn't get him. We can't just not take a guy at the position. So we have to accept, you know, this guy that we like, but maybe doesn't meet our exact measurables. I mean, it's just, you know, life is what it is and you have to adjust to what's happening. So, but I don't think there's any question. Oklahoma has a clear idea of we want, You know, we want length. We want speed. And I know people say, well, you know, just like you did, Alan. Well, that's what everybody wants. Yeah, I, I get it. But I think Oklahoma is willing to say, you know, okay, maybe that guy doesn't have the tape that blows everybody away. Maybe he isn't, you know, physically developed and ready to go next year. Maybe he isn't this. Maybe he's a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Maybe he's a project, you know, or those kind of things. I think Oklahoma is willing to take those chances. And so maybe instead of recruiting against Clemson, Alabama for the kid, they're recruiting against, you know, I, I don't know, Michigan State mm-hmm. or somebody like that where it's a guy that's a little more developmental, but he, you know, he runs track in ten seven You know, he he's a legitimate speed guy. And I, I can flat out tell you that track times are part of things. Now, this isn't a thing where... Oh well, his coach says he runs four four, and that's you know mm-hmm. done story. I have talked to more than one high school coach that wants you know that had spoken to OU staff, and they want to see guys running track. They want to know what their real times were. They mm-hmm. want to know FAT. I mean, they they they're not just this isn't a token interest. If you can't run, you cannot play on this defense, and I don't and that goes from. Nose tackle to safety. They're, they're, mm. If you are not athletic for your size, they want no part of you.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, so- Hang on, hang on. I,
1: before anybody reacts to that, I'm not saying a 300-pound nose tackle has to run the 100 meters. I'm just saying he needs to have movement skills. Yeah, because yeah. Grinch wants, you know, Alan, we've talked about this, some, he wants to get upfield. He mm. doesn't want space eaters. He doesn't want Casey Hampton. He wants a guy that's going to get upfield and attack and move the pocket from inside.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so then I guess, you know, you mentioned that there's some offensive linemen coming in this weekend. Let's look ahead on defense. What's going to be the big story in the next, you know, say by, before the end of the summer? How about that?
1: I, I think what you're really going to see is I think at defensive line and defensive back, you'll start to see the picture crystallize. I think at defensive back, I would be pretty surprised if by the start of the season you don't see probably two more commitments. I, I think that's a pretty good, pretty safe number to look at. And from there, I mean, OU's got four commitments if, you know, if you assume Manning and Watts stay on board. And I you know, and everybody's like, well, that's a big class, especially they took some numbers last year, you know. Okay. With what Alex Grinch has said to, you know, Carrie and Eddie and Bob mm-hmm. and, and all the other media in the postgame stuff. I, I've i said it before. I'm kind of expecting a bloodletting on this defense after the season. Like I'm expecting several guys to be told, you know, Hey man, we think you can play a lot of places here. Just isn't one of them. Cause, mm-hmm. and it's not that the guys can't play. It's that they don't fit what Alex Grinch wants. And I think you're going to see three or four departures, probably in the secondary. If I was betting, just I think that's going to happen. Um, and if that happens, well, then you've got two or three more scholars. I mean, this could be a if if this defensive back group hit six, it won't surprise me at all. Like I, I think that's completely a possible thing in this world. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I because I, then you get into well, what do Dante Manning and Ryan Watts think of that? You know, you don't want to jeopardize what you have to take in new bodies if you mm-hmm. really like those guys. And I know, talking to some people, OU loves Dante Manning. Um, and mm-hmm. Watts as well. Mm-hmm. Watts is just a little more unique in how he's going to be used. But, um, yeah, so like I said, on the, and on the defensive line, Oklahoma has made some good offers. Uh, guys like Alex Huntley from South Carolina that's already been out. Uh, Noah Arenze from St. Louis that came out didn't pick up an offer oh you went to see him earlier this week then he did get an offer so they're doing some things at linebacker it, it's it's the same problem I mean I don't know that there's a tougher position to recruit to in the big 12 than a linebacker yeah. because at least on the defensive side of the ball you could say hey man you are gonna go chase a quarterback 40 times a game I mean you're just going to get up field and attack and do all the you know you get to I mean and is that exactly the reality? No. But as a coach, you get to you get to mm-hmm. sell that. I mean, we we'll pass. They pass the ball in this league. Go get some sacks. As a linebacker, yeah, man, that's tough because you're not usually playing on your front foot. You're dropping, and that's that that's hard for a lot of linebackers to accept. And it's hard to find guys that at two, you know, that look like Kenneth Murray, but at the same time have the right instincts and can see it the way they need to, I, that, that's a, that, that guy is, is really rare. So, you know, like I said, it, I, I think I, I like what Oklahoma is doing. They're being much more aggressive with their offers and their pursuits. And so I see a difference from years past. It's just unclear of which direction it's going to go at linebacker right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at it, you know, you, you mentioned it. I just think playing linebacker in the Big Twelve has got to be just so hard. Um, you know, there aren't very many good ones that you see, and I think a lot of that is because it's one of the positions where they've kind of, with the way these offenses go, offenses go, have been able to, you know, make it make life for those guys just miserable because you've got so many keys now, especially with RPOs and everything. I mean, it's just such a difficult position to play.
1: Oh, I think you're 100% right. You know, it's something I always tell kids at camps. If you're a linebacker, unless you are, you know, Deshaun White or or, or Kenneth Murray or a Baron Brown, I mean, a very high-level athlete, do not go to a camp as a linebacker because mm. all you're going to do is cover wheel routes and cover out in space. You'll never get to put your hands on anybody. You're never going to get to you know, try to reroute a running back because they're going to play off the ball and they're going to be out in the flats before you could reach them anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard. That's not that unlike playing linebacker in the big 12. You, it's not like you get to come up and really stick guys in the hole all that regularly because you're spread so thin. I mean, the, the offensive line, you know, hole is three yards. I mean, it's just, it's, It's really, really a difficult position to play in the Big 12, and therefore it's a really difficult position to evaluate, and it makes it even harder to recruit the guys that you can find.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you got to start selling that. That's the way the NFL is kind of evolving now, too. True. You know, it's it's just, gosh, it's just a tough, tough position to play. So, you know, I mean, I I read your board. You know, I see the fans that, you know, the experts all of a sudden that, uh, you know, can pick out all the, uh, you know, deficiencies that are you as a linebacker, but man find other players who aren't like struggling that way with those offenses, man. I just, I don't think they exist. So anyway, um, well, Hey Josh, so you guys got any, uh, anything going on uh, big with at the site, uh, these days.
1: Well, I mean, this is an interesting time of year for us. It's not usually a huge time for sales, but at this time of the year we start doing some, you know, both reviews kind of, you know, where things have gone, both in recruiting and on the team. You know, we start looking back at spring practices, you start kind of seeing, you know, we're taking stock of where Oklahoma is in recruiting. Uh, I've just finished up all my regional camps where I hit, I think, five or six of the Rivals camps from anywhere from Los Angeles to Atlanta. It's kind of all over the map there for a few weeks. Uh, we've got our Rivals Five Star Challenge coming up in a few weeks where. I mentioned earlier Brock Vandegrift, the 2021 quarterback that was. I said that I think that's clearly Oklahoma's focus right now. He'll be there. Saw him in Atlanta a few weeks ago. He is another potential five-star quarterback for OU to pursue. He is unbelievably gifted. I really, really liked what I saw from him, and I think Oklahoma is a legitimate contender for him. So there, there is so much going on um, that it's a great time to give the site a try if you are, you know interested and you just like to you know kind of kick it around for a few weeks whatever feel free to email me at josh at soonerscoop.com we can set you up give you a little time just to kind of like i said just to see what the site's about get a feel for us um you know i know a lot of people hear us on the different radio shows and podcasts like allen's and everywhere else and they the board's a little different it's a little bit more pure information and (laughs) i guess below the pins it kind of gets into the crazy a little bit sometimes (laughs) But, you know, if you're just about the info, just stay with the pinned on the Crimson Corner and, you know, you'll find out all kinds of good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a invaluable resource. I say that every time I bring uh, one of you guys on, but it really is such a great, uh, great place to get so much uh, OU info and uh, analysis, uh, you know, from, from guys who really follow the sport closely and, and do a really good job and, and really work hard more than anything else, so... But, uh, Josh, man, thanks so much for coming on, man. I, I, I'm sorry to take up so much of your time this afternoon, but uh, it's, it's always enjoyable, man.
1: Hey, you know I always enjoy coming on with you, Alan. You, don't, you ask me the questions, not everybody else guys. so I always enjoy that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, good, man. Good. All right. Well, thanks again to our guest, uh, Josh McQuestion of Soonerscoop.com. Like I mentioned, go over there, sign up, check out what they've got going on. Um, thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Weight Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.